0: Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. I am your host, Carl Jensen with...
1: I'm Doug Huntington.
0: And we have a very special guest today. Tell us who you are and what you
2: do. Hey, guys. Jay Money. I am... What am I now? A curator of i so used to say I'm a blogger, but I, but I sold my blog and haven't been doing it for a couple of years. So, so I'm a, I'm a random straggler online that loves money. How's that? Uh,
0: that's great. And I have a new name for you based on your appearance. I haven't seen you in a while and you've got this huge beard. And the first thing I thought of <laughs> when I saw you is another Coloradan named Ted Kaczynski, otherwise known as the Unabomber. He lives at the Supermax <laughs> a couple hours south of us. So when I first saw you, I'm like, holy crap, the Unablogger. <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> okay, so I first crossed paths with you way back in 2013. I would started my blog in January, and I don't remember how we started talking, but uh, you invited us to do a guest post on Budgets Are Sexy, and I think I kind of freaked out a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's got a big blog, and we're we're so new, we, we can't screw this up, and you, you were super professional, like, oh, we got to make sure all the pictures are legit, and... <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> We, we got to make sure this is on the up and up. And I remember freaking out a little bit, but that was our, like the first time we were like our first breakthrough, I guess. Cause you, you know, you start blogging and you're talking to like three people and, and, two, and the other two, one is you, the other two are your family members or friends. And that was our right. first breakthrough. And I remember it was how we're teaching our kids about money. So thank you for that. And we've seen each other off and on at these conferences and, uh, yeah, it's been cool knowing you the whole yeah. time.
2: And I, I feel like my life has kind of come full circle because here you are on
0: our podcast.
2: Hey, and remember, you used to write for budgets. You had a weekly column for a few months, too. Do you remember that? I do no. remember that. That was pretty oh, wow. stressful, wow. too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: think I could handle it, so it didn't last long, but I, I really appreciate you letting me do that, too. That was a lot of fun, and those were some good articles.
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your content. So, and you obviously, or else I guess I wouldn't be here if I if I wasn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I I really appreciate that. And you're one of the bloggers who I think is pretty pure. Like you could tell when you read a blog, and people are just in it for the money. They're they've got this weird voice, but you you definitely had a unique voice. But I always thought you were real, and your underlying goal was always to help people. Of course, you made money, but I always thought you were one of the people who always had the right thing in mind and you would always do the right thing. So I, I appreciated that. Uh-huh. And uh, Not everyone's like that. I would say most probably are not like that.
2: Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, it is true. And, you know, and it, I definitely struggle internally. Actually, I was just wa- watching and participating in a Twitter stream about like going with your heart versus doing the things that, you know, is going to help grow your 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 enterprise more. And a lot of the stuff that you have to grow, you know, do to grow big or make a lot of money is usually not the stuff that you would do naturally, um, especially with online stuff and SEO and monetization. Um, so there's definitely years where I struggled. I wanted to stay pure, but then I also wanted to do it for a living. Um, so I did. I kind of just settled in the do it enough to like ha- like to have this dream job, but don't overdo it. And like, like I didn't need millions of dollars. I just wanted to blog. For a, for a job, you know, I just thought that was the coolest thing and it worked out and you know I did I never made as much money as a lot of the big-time bloggers, but I sure as you know Have a hell of a time doing it and um, I'm glad that it resonated, you know with you that it wasn't like oh, I was just trying to make money or whatever
0: Yeah, the, the thing is something you said though if you go with your heart It might not be the quickest way to make money, but people see that and they appreciate it it you'll still become big, you'll just do it in a roundabout way. Cause you'll gain your audience, but you'll do it the right way. You're not relying on Google. You're relying on yourself, which is what you should be doing the whole time. It's more pure that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you've done the same thing. I mean, I've loved your content. I tell people a lot, like my favorite bloggers are when they first starting out because they're so real and raw and usually funny and, and they just don't like, they're not trying to like build this huge thing or, you know, they're just like natural um and you that's why i love you know when you first came on but you're still the same way now as you were back then you know like your content is still the same and so i think that's you know what makes you you a great blogger you know as well so yeah big big kudos to you yeah thanks i appreciate i appreciate
0: you saying as much so let's get into it and excuse me uh i was just before we started i was telling you how doug and i went to fincon and you wisely avoided it. Uh, Doug and I both came home with the virus. We're fully vaxxed, but we got breakthrough infections anyway. They were not bad, so if our voices sound a little worse than usual. Mine, Doug, has a beautiful voice. If my voice sounds a little <laughs> bit worse than usual. We haven't
2: heard from Doug because you're doing all the talking. <laughs> and Doug, Yeah,
0: we'll get into it. Uh, Doug usually does more of the talking, but we'll get into him in a second. Uh, tell us about the time when you went to buy an apartment and ended up with a house. Oh, gosh.
2: Yeah, that was the beginning of the journey for me. You know, we went, my fiance and I at the time were just looking for one or two bedroom apartment to rent. Um, I've always enjoyed renting. Um, I like the freedom. Um, And, you know, we actually turned the wrong way and went down this street, and there was a house for sale. It was a townhouse, um, and it was near some water, and it was just a beautiful thing. And there was a sign, hey, you know, call this number if you're interested. And I wasn't interested because I was trying to rent, you know, but we just did it for fun. And that realtor, one of the best realtors in the world was there within an hour to show us the place to like, get us, you know, our numbers, right. You know? And I thought, well, everyone else in my life is getting married. They're built buying homes or having kids. Like, this is the right thing to do the right step, you know, again, no, like, no, like not even trying to get a house yet. Um, but then one thing led to another 48 hours later, we owned the house. I think it was around $350,000, no money down, right. As it was right when the, market it was 2000 2008 so the market was shaky it had started to go down then it like went up a little bit um and we're like oh this is like an investment right everyone says your house never goes down we bought it and then you know the whole world knows what happens next (laughs) and it all crashed uh so for that reason that was a horrible financial decision but the nice thing about it is it forced me to pay attention to my money so like, I think like that weekend I went online and I was like, how to budget, you know, like I didn't even have a budget. I didn't know where any of my money was. Um, and I and that's when I came across um, blogs and I thought, holy crap, like people are just sharing their number, like their net worth. Like seeing a net worth from a real person was like the biggest epiphany. Like I've just, it was just the most amazing thing because no one ever does that. Um, and I got hooked and I started reading blogs like, oh, this is good. I started bettering my own finances and then I got a little bored and I said, I'm going to start a blog myself and talk about, you know, drinking beer and saving money. And I'm going to try and be funny because all the blogs, especially back then, you know, I mean, even today, a lot of them are, are just money driven, right? They're kind of boring. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go and shake it up, you know, and one thing led to another and, and here we are. So. <laughs> wow. So what happened with that house? Do you still live in it or what, what became of it? No. So we lived in it for, I think, six or seven years. And, and, I, and a little background, I come from a military family. So I'm used to moving every couple of years, and when I went to college, of course, I'm on my own. Um, but but my my brain is still like one or two years that they're all temporary, which is reason number one: never buy a house if it's only temporary, you know. Um, um, but we we lived in it, and then finally I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm going stir crazy. Uh, but we couldn't sell it because we were I don't know negative eighty thousand dollars in equity. At that point, somewhere around there. So we became accidental landlords, uh, which we didn't want to do, but that, you know, gave us a couple of years to kind of figure it out. And then eventually we ended up selling it. Um, and then we went back to renting, uh, which, which I loved. And I think we brought to the table, like even to get rid of the house 10 years later, like we had to spend like 15 or $20,000 just, just to like, get it off of our plate, you know, which is crazy. Cause again, real estate never goes down. Best investment, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so we went back to renting, which was beautiful. And then my wife dragged me to own again. So we are back to owning, but but with a much different mindset and, and financial situation than the first round. <laughs> so.
1: right. And what do people miss a lot of times with the the renting versus buying debate? Um, I purchased a place in around two thousand six, so I I really <laughs> got hosed and. Yeah. Eventually, it went into foreclosure, a strategic foreclosure situation, which was oh, wow. turned out to be a great financial decision. Uh, seemed very risky, but it was the yeah. best best swing I ever had. So, what, yeah. What do people miss? You mentioned you know you love renting. So, yeah. What good things are there about renting that people often miss?
2: Um, I don't know if they miss. It. I think they just get so caught up in the whole narrative of it. You know, home being a good investment, and you know, and and. I think for me, I think a lot of people don't pay attention to like their personalities. Like I love the idea of freedom. I love being able to get up and move if I want to at any time. Um, I don't, and I, and I I should all say I'm not a DIY person. I'm not. I can't like fix anything. Um, so anytime something breaks, like I'm the opposite of Carl. Anytime something breaks, I have to call someone. Um, and just like those phone calls, like even when we were when we were landlords. Like, and we had a property manager too. So we still had a buffer, but anytime they called or reached out, like it was never a good thing. They never said, oh, rent's on time. No, it was always like something broke, something broke. And just like that dread, I still feel it inside me when I, when I think about it, like I just hate the dread of it, you know? Um. So for me, it's, you know, like knowing yourself really well, if it's a match for you, even not even thinking about the finances. Um, And then if you are thinking of the finances, you know, is, are you going to be in here for, you know, five or six years at least, you know, do you have a a cushion of money savings? Um, You know, a lot of people always forget, not in our world, because we talk about a lot, but like an average person, they're never comparing apples to apples, right? They're, they're forgetting about all the maintenance costs and maintenance alone. Like, not only is it stressful, at least for me, but like it's financially draining, you know? Um, And so I think people, I think people just don't understand fully until they're in it. And then at that point, really, like, are you going to stick with it or are you going to adapt as your values change and as time changes to make a big move, you know, get rid of it or stick it through? So I think it's like a mental challenge that you're always doing. Um, And I'm a big fan of people changing their minds. And even if they're like, oh, I'm going to go do this. And then a year later, they find out it's not for them. Mm -hmm. Like, screw it. Like, like change it. Your life's changed. Your mind's changed, you know, like adapt. I think people kind of get stuck into like, well, I'll look stupid or, you know, I made the decision, so now I got to live with it. Right. So yeah. I don't know. I think about like all that kind of stuff more so than, you know, just the money part.
1: Right. And I think one one piece that we miss as well is we only hear the great stories. Like you said, there's a narrative like real estate always goes up and, you know, it can be a good investment if you have the timing right mm-hmm. and right location and so many other yeah. variables. Uh, people are not telling their stories when they lose a bunch of money, like my, you know, my foreclosure issue and all that kind of stuff, because we're not going around bragging that we made like a poor decision. We, like, <laughs> right. we, we're just not telling those stories in the same way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that's I,
0: funny. I've been thinking about housing and I, I thought the tide was kind of turning a couple of years ago. I remember Paul Pant had a really good article about how, Owning a house isn't what everything is cracked up to be, and it was really great. It was super long. She had all these numbers down there. I'm like, okay, good, because for the longest time, we had this, the American dream is to buy a house, and I think it was even with uh, w- with the Bush presidency, one of his things was to get everyone into a house. Everyone should own a home. So, wow. But it seemed like things were kind of changing a little bit, but now COVID, one of the unexpected effects of it is housing has gone crazy, so now we're in this... Yeah, crazy time where all these people have FOMO, and I should have bought. I was talking to a friend Ray from Waffles on Wednesday. He's like, "Man, I should have bought like six months ago." So now we're mm. back. Now we're back to where we were, maybe even stronger. Everyone wants to own a house again, and it's uh, and now is one of the few times where it might have been good to actually be in a house. But usually, that's not the case. I think houses go up at the
2: pace of inflation, and that's been the same
0: since like the 1880s. So.
2: Definitely. Well, Maybe. and also, even if your house goes up and you're trying to flip it and make money, like, unless you're going back to renting, you're just going to spend as much money to get a new house. So it doesn't, it's not really that great unless you're capitalizing on both of the sides. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yep. You're like, Hey, this is a priority and and I'm happy to spend a little more. You mentioned beer a couple of times. I know yes. Carl and I will yes. spend some money on beer. So <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, yeah. are there any other Coffee. high priorities?
2: Coffee. I'll spend my, I'll spend $10. I don't drink fancy coffees, but if, if a cup of regular coffee costs 10 or $20, I would still spend it every single day. Like I, that feeling of just like going to a coffee shop and getting one, like, I don't know what it is. Like that is like the happiness is higher than a lot of other things. Um, so anytime, obviously people say to make coffee at home, which I respect because a lot of people don't like coffee as much, um like I'm just like, oh God, like I that'd be like the last thing I would I would do. I'd give up
1: alcohol before I would coffee to put it that way,
2: Carl. Ooh, and
1: open. and wow. so <laughs> I'd love coffee um, too, but yeah, I think I think I can make yeah, it through the mornings much- easier than the the evenings without beer.
2: you must have a lot of kids too
1: i no kids funny enough oh uh, wow
2: then it's probably carl then spending time with him
0: (laughs) that'll definitely cause people to drink up (laughs) some trivia about me i've only had coffee once in my life i had it when i was like eight or ten or seven i went to a friend's house he's like yeah let's act like adults here's some coffee and like this tastes oh, like it's
2: probably shit. disgusting. Yeah. I'm like yeah. this is disgusting.
0: This tastes like shit. I'm <laughs> never drinking this again. And here I am 40 <laughs> years later, still never having tried it again, but maybe wow. what next time I see you, I'll try it again and I'll, I'll see if my okay. uh, perception changes. There you go. Yeah. Has your one final question before we close out the Lexus segment, Has now that you've got more money, you're in a better place. Have your, yeah. has your spending changed? Have your thoughts on happiness changed? I think we got into a little bit of this. Like I'm not afraid to spend money on coffee. That makes me happy or
2: beer, which are small things. Do you have any other thoughts? On yeah. That? Uh, well, I think the, I think when I, when my net worth was around 400, 500, that was like the peak of where I'm like, wow, I feel secure. I feel like I can make decisions without worrying about my budget or spreadsheet or consequences. Um, And like even as simple as like being able to go to a restaurant and just ordering what you want, like regardless of the price, like that's like first, you know, like that to me was like the biggest change of happiness um, and not worrying and knowing as I was having a family that will be secure, not rich, but like, like stable, Um, you know, and then, you know, the last. So I used to do my net worth report. I'd share it online for, uh, I think, 12 years straight. Um, it was around 50,000 in the beginning, you know, and, and it, um, some of the money came from blogging. Some of it came from other projects. Um, and then when I sold all of my projects, like it, we tipped over a million dollar mark. Um, and so it was exciting to hit it in a, in a way, like just as a personal achievement, but like, I wasn't happier, I guess. And it didn't really change my life as much. So to answer your spending, I don't spend, um, more or less i think i spend similar i think that the all the, the only reason our spending goes up is because we keep having kids um you know but like we you know they're in public school and with COVID and stuff we were considering private and what that looked like and just the ability to even consider private which is like super expensive like that was a nice ability to have you know um and even though we chose against it like that wouldn't have been possible if money wasn't you know where it is um, you know, if that answers your question.
1: And when you hit that million dollar net worth mark, was that a big milestone? Mm-hmm. I know sort of mentally that's a benchmark for a lot of people. So what did that yeah. mean to you just hitting that spot? I
2: tell you, it would have meant a lot more in my twenties. Like, like when I first started blogging, I was into money, but I was just more into like having money and like, I just wanted to be a millionaire cause I thought it'd be cool. Like, and so, you know, like the, you know, the privileged white guy going out, like no responsibilities, right? Like, I just wanted money, like most, a lot of people do. As I got older, especially with kids, I realized there's more to the life than money, you know? Um, And so, like, that wasn't exciting to that degree. Like, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be in my 20s, hitting a millionaire, being, you know, being a millionaire. Um, But it was personally fulfilling, um, just to do it. And then honestly, when it happened, I was like, my first, I was like, I can just be lazy now. Cause like, I'm not going to, what am I going to shoot for like 2 million? Like, that's not nearly as like fun or exciting. Like I, I felt like I did get a little lazy at, at that point. Um, you know, but, but no, it's not like, I think honestly, the journey of like sitting down and paying attention to your money the first time and knowing where you want to go, like that journey was by far more rewarding and happiness levels. Cause you're checking it off. You're learning it, and you're growing and by the time you get the money, your mind is already like over like lifestyle design. if you know. Um, and that's what I learned. I went from wanting to be a millionaire because it was cool to like wanting to have like my ideal life, you know? Um, and so, and, and the cool thing about that is a lot of people who are chasing money, like you're chasing money, but like, hopefully you're going to do something with that money to make your life better, you know? And I, I think a lot of people don't realize they can make changes throughout their lives before they hit that. You know, um, little things. So I think for me, I started blogging about money, make money, hustle, hustle, hustle. Don't sleep, rah, You know, you're the man. To like, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Like, I don't want to work as much. I start selling stuff. I start thinking about life. What's the purpose? You know, what's my legacy? Like, your mind changes over the years. Um, and so now, to me, the purpose of money and everything is to, is to have a that, that ideal, you know, lifestyle.
1: I think maybe now is a good time to ask, what is a perfect day or maybe set of days like a week look like for you?
2: Yeah, it's it's all the same. Honestly, Um, it's wake up around 5 or 5.30. I enjoy waking up in the morning and and having peace and and it being a little dark. Working on a project that I believe in for a few hours. um, And then when the kids start getting up and off to school and stuff, you know, helping with that, you know, maybe going to a coffee shop for an hour or two and working. Um, And then by lunch, just you know, doing whatever, whatever the family wants or I want. Um, It's very simple. That's honestly, and, and whatever I'm working on. And that's, that's the reason I ended up selling my blog because I wanted to have the freedom, but I knew that like, I enjoyed the blog and other projects, but as long as I keep swapping it out, it doesn't matter to me what the project is or if I own it. Um, I just want to do something I enjoy. And I have that time slot every morning um, and that to me was like enough to like, keep me busy and, and, engaged and, and have my you know brain power. And then after that, I can be lazy or I can do something personal fulfillment. Um, so that, that's literally all my, my dream is, is just to work a few hours in the morning and then do as I please the rest. And, you know, um, you know, that's where we are now. So it's, it's a good life.
1: Perfect. And is that like two or three hours a day, something like that?
2: Yeah, sometimes it's two or three hours. Sometimes like um, I'm working on a project with The Motley Fool called All-Star Money. Um, you know, and so sometimes some weeks, you know, I'll work five or six hours. Um, some days I'll work 10 and then I'll work two the next day. So it fluctuates. Um, but ideally, yeah, by lunchtime, I would be done and not open up the computer. Um, and, and so for me too, like like talking about, again, getting to that point before I was able to get to that point I said, all right, well, I'm working nights, I'm working weekends, I'm working, you know, 10 hour days, sometimes 20, like, let's just stop working some of those, (laughs) you know? So I cut out weekends, I cut off weekends, cold turkey. And that, that alone was game changing because I didn't realize how much rest you needed. Um, And I didn't realize too, that I still got all my stuff done because on Friday, I knew if I didn't get it done, I'd have to wait till Monday. It's magical. Like when you have to get it done, you you get it done, you know. And so I lost no. If anything, my I was more efficient. Um, then you had the weekend to rest, which is good for family. And then by Monday, I was so excited because I'm like, oh, I miss the online community. I miss you know. And I wouldn't go on Twitter or Facebook. Like it was completely no money online stuff, no work. Um, and so, um, so that alone really amplified it. Then I was like, let's stop nights, so we cut that out. And then I've just been dwindling it you know, ever since until I got to the, to this point, you know.
0: Yeah. One final thought on this whole segment is uh, a minute ago, you said once you got to the million dollars, you said, uh, well, back up a second. I don't think I'm phrasing this correctly. You said people could be doing things to enjoy their life before they get to these numbers. And I, I think of that with myself, I've uh, been a unique situation and I don't want to diminish, diminish it at all. I'm very thankful to be where we are at as far as money. But I don't want anything else in my life. I'm pretty content just how it is now. Now that I can have anything, I don't really want anything. And then I think back, I'm like, well, my life looks the same as it did before we had this money. So you should have appreciated yeah. it back then and just been happy with it back then because you, you yeah. like your life now. You are not. You don't want to buy any stuff. But I don't know. I It's some stupid – My I wish I was better adjusted, I guess – you want stuff when you know you can't have it. But then when you can't actually have it, you don't want it anymore. Uh, I don't know yeah, what that is. a paradox funny. or something. But, yeah.
2: You probably want like more real estate or flipping. You like the personal challenges with home. Like my nightmare is what you, is what you dream of when you go to sleep.
0: Yeah. I, I don't really – I don't want to do anything to make more money. But I like the challenges in the house. I just built a shed and I'm going to start putting solar panels on my house next week. So, oh, gosh,
2: dude. Yeah. You need I, a – you need to come over and build me a skate park at my house. I'm into skateboarding recently, and like that is like a dream to have a custom thing. And which I know you and and or Mister Money Mustache could probably do, like with your eyes closed. I I would
0: do it. I was saying on the uh, Earn Invest podcast with Doc G, uh, my favorite idea of a trip would be going to see friends for a couple of weeks, but then dr- uh, drinking beer, hanging out, but doing some work too. So maybe work for a couple hours in the morning, building you a half pipe or quarter pipe or- you're hired. Whatever. You're hired. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Should I make you sign a waiver if you break your uh, hip?
2: <laughs> no, I will because I'm an old man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't I break will. your hip, <laughs> dude. When I go to the skate park, I'm the oldest, and they're like 18 and 19 year olds, like all around me doing all this stuff, and they look at me like, you know, I'm crazy, but I love it.
1: <laughs> Did you just start getting into skating at this? this point in your life i did
2: yeah totally random yeah hanging out with my kids one weekend and they wanted to they, we found a skate park we didn't know it was there and they like um uh those what's it called not roller skates um the uh scooters they like scootering and so they were like challenging each other to go down the hill and i was like well i'm not gonna like sit here and just like watch you go. loud. Wow, I get antsy, you know? So I just brought their skateboard and I was like, I'm going to do it with my skateboard. And they, they challenged me like these eight-year-olds challenged me to go down the ramp. So of course I had to do it. Um, and then I just loved it. it. I just, yeah, I just, I didn't, there's something about it cause it's like fulfilling and you can try tricks, but it's like healthy too. Besides when you get hurt, like you're actually exercising a lot. Um, and I don't know. And it's, you're meeting all kinds of people that you would have never met. Um, so yeah, I just immersed myself in the last four or five months and it's been, yeah, it's silly to say, but it's like my favorite thing right now.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. It sounds terrifying. I think we will probably around <laughs> the same age, but if yeah. I took a little spill, I'd be out for like weeks or a month. I, I don't know. Have yes. you had any injuries? Like, is everything going yes.
2: okay? Yes. Right now I have a foot fracture. I'm not allowed to step on it for a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. My wife hates it. Cause she's like, dude, if you get hurt, like you, you're managing the kids, right? Like, she works full time. You know, so like, how are you going to pick him up and drop him off? And I'm like, well, you know, I'll just stop myself before I get that hurt, you know. But then at the same time, like, I guess it's the thrill of skating. It's like, I'm doing it. I know I could get hurt, but like, I just have to do it for some reason, you know. And there's a dude there that like recently like fell on his face and like, I didn't even know that you can hurt your teeth because I just, you know, I'm new to skateboarding and he broke his teeth. And like, I saw him like two months later and he was there skating. I'm like, Oh my Lord, like you're back. And he's like, I just love it. Like I will never stop. And I was like, wow, you know, just to be that passionate. I don't know if I could be that passionate, but so far my hurts, my, my, my breaks haven't been too bad. Um, and you learn to fall too. There's like things you can do to fall, like where you don't hurt yourself as much that I'm learning. Um, you know, so I've been fairly lucky so far.
1: Man, be safe out there. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah.
2: Doug, there is a... I don't know if you know this, Doug, but there's
0: a skate park like right by your house. It's so ah, close, yeah. We can walk there. It's made out of concrete, so there's potential for oh, serious injury, but I've got a skateboard. I've got like this old Tony <gasps> thing. I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to get a better one, but I'll, I'll bring him over I and think... we can go hit the skate park. Okay.
2: All right. I would love to see that. Okay.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the... Budgets are sexy. What is your you talked a little bit about the origin of it before when you bought your house And you started paying yeah.
2: attention to money. Is that where budgets are sexy came from? Mm. Yeah, well, once I um, wanted to blog I was trying to you know get creative and that song um, Justin Timberlake I'm bringing sexy back was on the radio. That's that's how long ago it was and I love that song I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring like money back. Yeah, I'm gonna I need sexy like should be somewhere uh, and back then, it was when um, blog rolls were a thing, you know, in the sidebar, where you could see like what people are reading. And it was always alphabet- alphabetical. And so I was like, I got to pick one that's closer to the top. Like that was like the extent of me scheming. Um, and budgeting, I just started doing and I knew it was like the opposite of sexy. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, I'm going to try to make budget sexy. Um, and, and then, you know, as I got going, like I realized like budgeting, to me at least, like gives you confidence. Um, or even tracking your net worth, which I eventually stopped budgeting and just tracked that. Like that gave me confidence, which then in turn, right, equals sexy. Um, so that was kind of the theme. And and I wanted to be – I just wanted to talk about money like like as a normal person and to have fun. I wasn't trying to like teach – be a teacher of money really, and especially because I was still learning myself. Um, so I was one of those people that I only blogged about whatever was in my mind. I never – like strategize. I never even pulled my audience. What do you guys want me to write about? Because I knew if I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't. And then I'd look like a dummy, you know? Um, so that was like the only thing that kept me going, like having a schedule where I posted every day. Um, and then that schedule changed, but like, I never missed the schedule the whole 10 or 12 years I was blogging um, helped as well. But I just wanted to have fun and not be so serious. Um, and even towards the end of that, I realized that I started becoming more serious because it, like you, Carl, you mentioned. Like it changed my life. It changed my money. But all of a sudden you're learning about business and marketing and you're learning about how the online world works and you're meeting friends and you're going to conferences. And so it becomes like your life in a weird way. And it's all online, which is really weird. And so like I caught myself, I knew like I was being more serious than I wanted. Like I wasn't towards the end of the journey being the same as the beginning of the journey. Uh, Like I knew too much where I couldn't go back and be as real and raw and just have fun, you know. Um, but that's but that's where it started. It was just trying to get people like I wanted people to think about money and get sucked in. And then once they were interested, like go to all my blog friends where you, they would teach like more in-depth stuff that that I couldn't teach or wanted to teach
0: it, you always had fun content too, and content that. Probably 90% of people wouldn't touch. And I'm thinking about the
2: <laughs> the, the, the phone sex operator. That, right, num- right that's now. the number one. It, that was the number one when I saw how to be a phone sex operator, which I, of course, did not write myself. It was a guest post uh wildly successful yeah and I've had people say hey I want to write this but there's no way in hell I'm putting it on my site like can we put it on yours and I'm like yeah that's great um so it was fun it was a fun journey you know um and even you know there's sometimes I want to write something now it's nice to have that outlet like I could still write if I wanted to over there um it's a cool it's a cool community and I, and I think unlike a lot of other communities like it's generally positive you know I would say in our space and like people are genuinely trying to help and learn and ha- have fun it's not as you know cutthroat as a lot of others even though i know like with the fire movement it's got a little bit spicy up in here but you know but it's all good it's getting people to talk and think about it
0: yeah it's uh i would say there's more collaboration here than competition i think we all help each other out and the story that i told earlier how you invited us to guest post on your blog is a perfect example that you gave us a big boost and willing to help out with no expectation of anything i didn't
1: pay you. Yeah, and I th- cool.
0: yeah. I think most of the people in the community are, are like that, or at least the people who are, are in it for the
1: right reasons, which are probably yeah,
2: most people. I would agree. Yeah. hundred percent.
1: And you shared your net worth for, I think you said 12 years. Was that yeah. something that made you a little nervous? Did you have any backlash by doing that? Um, can you just tell us about that decision making process?
2: <clears throat> yeah. So the first reason I did it was because that was like the craziest, coolest, most beautiful thing I'd ever seen when I entered the blogging space, like as a consumer uh, and, and my was the first blog that I really attached to. And, he, and Jonathan, he's still blogging to this day. I mean, it must be 15 or 17 years for him. Um, but he was one of the first ones I saw that said, here's my net worth, my savings, my debt, my credit card, my house, like, like everything. And I, and because it affected me so drastically, I said, Oh, if I ever start a blog, that's going to be like the one thing I know I'm going to do because it forced me to stop, at first it forced me to like well what is my net worth I have no idea you know so it got me to track which is beautiful um and then like I just looked forward to it and as you as you went over the years it grew and grew and you eventually stopped sharing it um and and for me you know again I think I started with around 50,000 net worth um so it was cool to see the journey and and also I should say too because I usually have a mohawk and I'm being irrever- irre irreverent? Is that the word irreverent. You know, and I'm cursing sometimes and I'm not your typical money person. Like a lot of people like don't think I'm legit or they like get turned off. And so I think accidentally by sharing my net worth and seeing it grow over time, like at least it gave me some credibility, even though some people, you know, thought I was like lying or or whatever, give her myself and then harness what we've learned online to do good rather than build ourselves up the whole time.
0: Okay. So I've got one thought and then another thought with a question for you. Uh, My first thought is I think a lot of people in the personal finance and the fire community are in a unique situation to really give back because I think we tend to be really conservative. How many articles are there? I mean, there's whole blogs based on why. You shouldn't pay attention to the 4% rule while you should do like 3.12848 or whatever. (laughs) So I I think the effect of this is a lot of people are going to end up with a lot of money that they're not going to need. So we're in a unique position to give back. But the the thing I struggle with is I don't want to come off as too preachy. But on the other hand, I, I can give X amount away. But if I announce it online, maybe I can my real power might be inspiring other people to give. Cause I can only give right. so much, but if you could inspire 20 or 30 other people to give back, you could probably do a lot more. And that's kind of what like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg are doing with their giving pledges. I think they're each going to give away like 99% of their wealth, which is, uh, wow, that's awesome. yeah, it still leaves them with a lot. So how do you, how do you balance that? How do you motivate others to try to give back without being too preachy and without coming across?
2: Yeah. Well, I would way? say like, yeah, with the pro, so with Love Drop, and then when we had Rockstar Finance, we had a community fund, and the, the general thing was the same. Everyone can participate in their own unique way and very small. So again, you could just donate a dollar or an hour of your time, or you know, knit a hat, and you can participate in something bigger than yourself because we gave them the platform. So I think letting them participate in a way that made sense to them, and it wasn't a huge barrier, like oh, you have to give a thousand dollars or you know, ten hours of your time, like I think makes a big difference. Um, you know, I will say with the public versus private. So when I'm private, like my favorite thing that I'm just realizing the last couple of years, if I see someone that I know can need help, um, you know, let I, let's say it's like I don't know, I don't want to give an example because I'm trying to be anonymous. <laughs> but instead of normally I'd say, oh hey, let me do that for you, and then just like give them money, which kind of sometimes people don't like that, like it rubs them the wrong way, or they think that maybe you're trying to you know look good like I do it anonymously and that for some reason being anonymous makes it like five times better for me. Like, it's like, okay, I'm going to help them and they're not even going to know it's me. Like if it's like an accomplishment, I feel like it makes me feel good. Like you're trying to do good and you're doing it without the acknowledgement, you know, like, I don't know, but, but that doesn't help you. Obviously if you're trying to help people and use your powers online and harness everyone, because then you have to tell them we are helping, you know, like join with me, but I think you could do it in a way. It's like, Hey, I'm giving, you know, $10,000 join me. Like everyone's going to be like, what the hell, you know, I don't have that and you have millions. So like, you know, it looks bad, but if you're like, let's help this person, here's why I'm donating, you know, can you donate with me? Little every, you know, even a dollar helps like that route tends in my experience to, to help, you know, or you you give more behind the scenes, but they don't know how much you're giving to like not come across as icky, if if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, you're not uh, worrying about virtual signaling, uh, virtue signaling, or any
2: of that type of shit. Yeah, yeah, Shady yeah. And I think too, like knowing yourself too. Like I knew what I like. I knew that giving to a large charity doesn't motivate me right? I think they're great and they do probably better work than all the small ones, right? Because they're so efficient now and good at it. But I knew that, but the problem I had is I stopped myself from giving them I'm like, oh, that's the only way. So I'm just not going to do it. You know? So I think knowing you can give, and this is again, like going back to the example of, you know, if someone, a homeless person walked up to you and asked for money. A lot of people say, no, 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 they're going to use it for drugs or no, 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 like that, whatever. But then I think like, like anyone asking you for money like is in a horrible spot first of all so like even like and, and then you have judging you have all this stuff right but like helping them knowing that five dollars is more for them than than i can do for five dollars or 20 or whatever like i accomplish my personal mission of of trying to help them what they do with it is beyond my control you know but like i i know that what i'm going to do with twenty dollars versus them is going to be different you know um but so i think knowing yourself is helpful and then finding out what motivates you, you know, um, you know, I see these birthday pledges too. I've never done, or people are like, Hey, don't give me a gift for my birthday. Like donate to this charity of mine. Like, I think that's a brilliant idea. I love when people do that. Cause it's like, Oh, you're showing what's important to you and they're going to spend money on probably random crap to give you anyways. Like why not divert some of it to, to do good? You know, that's a cool way I've, I've seen it done. Yeah. Very cool. I've always, what's made me a little bit hesitant
0: is, uh, if there's anything true about the internet is that no no matter what you say, there's always someone on there who's going to get mad about, about something you say. And I, oh, yeah. and, and I think of Pete, like he wrote a post about how he gave, I think $20,000 to five different organizations. So a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And Pete's very methodical, very stoic. Like here's what I did. <laughs> right. Here's, here's the data. I gave it to these efficient <laughs> charities. And then you go in the comments and people are like, ah, you're an asshole. This charity did, did this and this and this, like you made the world the worst place. And, oh man like shut up and i guess you just have to ignore it. i think those people are actually the minority and maybe we shouldn't yeah. even bring them up or talk about them because most no but that's true you likely. get
2: hate even when you try and do good yeah for sure you know like yeah it's the tax write-off too like oh you gave just for the tax write-off like dude you're spending more money than the tax write-off you're gonna like get like it doesn't even make sense like financially that's not true you know and again, and even so, even if it is purely for that, like at least you're doing good in the world. Like you can only hate so much on that, regardless of your reason. So, um, yeah. So, do you have a donor advised fund? How do you give efficiently? Because yeah, I mean, so add,
0: yeah, but, no, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Just real quick. The tax breaks are one thing and people could hate on you, but that
2: allows you to yeah. give more money away in the end.
0: So those people can shut the hell up. Well,
2: and so he, so the downside, I'm glad you asked that the downside is when you like to give like I do, I'm not going to get a, any credit for giving someone off the street or like helping, you know, a group of people or, you know, uh, an idea, like a lot of pro- like lot, there are some people in our space that do projects that, but that aren't technically uh, charities. Um, and so I give to them 20 or $30 a month. Oh, the automation too, I meant to say helps me if I automate giving, just like investing or saving, like that alone prevents me from backing out or changing my mind or even having to think about it. So my goal is to have like a hundred places that I donate 20 or $30 to every month. So that and it's all automated. Right. Um, and so, um, but going back to your question. So the way that I like to give, I can't do any write-offs because they're not only a few of them are technically you know 501c3s. Um, so um, that is the downside of it. I can't get you know any tax stuff, but again, I'm doing it to, to help them. Um, but but I am because I will say what the, the fire community is really good at is these donor advice funds like you mentioned. Um, and you do see that a lot more in this space, especially than you used to. Um, and that is something that I do want to figure. Out. I would love to have a way to efficiently give more and better, and, and it be passed on to like my kids to kind of control after I just haven't don't know how to do that when I'm helping people the way that I would like to help now, you know, because to, to, to give from those accounts, you have to give to reputable, you know, um, charities that are, that are, you know, vetted and that, you know, I don't know if you, if there's, you know, expense ratios, if that matters in that part, but like, like I can't give like a thousand dollars to someone off the street and then get a tax write-off, you know, so that's the downside of it. Um, and again, what it's important to know too, like for some people, like probably you and probably Mr. Money Mustache, like you derive more happiness and like like purpose, giving a $100,000 effectively, knowing that that could produce maybe a million dollars worth of good, right? Like that probably motivates you guys more and like, you know, makes you want to do it more and gets you to do it more. Whereas for me, that part doesn't matter at all because I just want to see the person's face or I want to know that I help directly that one person. So I'm always trying to help one person instead of like groups of people, which is good and bad, you know, and you need both of us in the world. So, <laughs> so I don't know if that answers it, but yeah, these are things you have to think about. Yeah. I, I
0: like that thought a lot. And one, one funny story I have on that is I've been working on giving with my children, trying to teach them to be charitable. So we have them pick out a couple of cool. different charities every month and we, we send money and, and one of them they picked out a couple months ago was the Arbor Day Foundation, which is this huge organization that plants trees so yeah. we sent them, I think we divided it up between five, and we sent them them 200 bucks. And the only thing we've gotten from the Arbor Day Foundation, it's a great organization. I think they're efficient and all that, but now- They're like, asking for more money? Yeah, they ask for more money. And the funny thing That's is, it comes right. in these big print envelopes, like like <laughs> in the mail. So the Arbor, Arbor Day Foundation <laughs> is sending us dead trees in the mail asking for more ah. money, like- Arbor Day, I love you, but could you just email me your newsletter instead? And some of them are big packages too. Like, oh, there's dead trees in here. Like Arbor Day, yeah. what the hell are you doing? Arbor Day,
2: you're great, but uh, change that part. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, look. and you're that 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 thing that you mentioned too. Anytime, so there are some bigger ones that I've given over time, and they always email me or contact me, and it's never. I mean, it is a thank you, but it's always a thank you. But can you give more? There's yeah. always I want more, more, more. And obviously that turns people off. I know the marketing, it's good and it probably works to a degree, yeah. but you're right. Yeah, it is. A, um... And it's funny too, actually with Love Drop, again, like our I think our slogan was like, give a dollar, change a life. Like it was some like cheesy thing. It was true, but it was cheesy. Uh, and I remember people saying, hey, um, are you? Are, can I write off this dollar I'm, I'm giving you? And I said, no, we weren't technically, we spent six months trying to become a charity. And basically legal was like, you can't, you can't give the way you want to give and be a charity. It doesn't work that way. And so we said, screw it. We're just going to give how we want to give when we're not going to do the charity. And so people got, some people got mad. I want a tax write off for every single dollar I give you, you know? And we're like, well, then we're not the project for you, right? Like it, it doesn't work. And, and the downside, going back to your other point, is that we, like, I think within the first month, we had some corporations reach out to us that were really big. And they were like, we'd like to give you like $20,000 to help. And we're like, yes, like, this is great, right? You know how many people we could help with that? But they said, but we need to be able to write it off. And so we lost them. We couldn't, you know, um, so that sucked. But again, like we wanted to give the way we wanted to give or else we wouldn't be doing it. And so, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a weird one.
0: Hmm. I'm going to call Doug out on something real quick. Not call them out. I'm going to praise you, Doug, and maybe embarrass you. But there's other ways to give back. We've been talking about giving money. But Doug volunteered for a local organization to help maybe underprivileged communities start businesses. And that's, you don't necessarily have to give money. You can give your time, which is, in my my opinion, a bigger ask because if you've got infinite money, it's easy to write a check for a hundred bucks. But to have to show up every week or every other week for a whole year is a, a pretty big ask. And I know Doug did that. And that was, his form of giving back so you don't have to give money. Do you have, you have any comment on that, Doug? Uh,
1: th- thanks for uh, recognizing that. But, yeah, it was a huge time commitment. But kind of like you're saying, Jay, you're helping individuals. And this is in our community. So, like, these businesses yeah. are local here. So there's no, like, better way to, like, give back, help people uh you know, build their business and give advice and connect people when you can. So yeah, it was hugely rewarding, a big time commitment. Like you said, it would have been much easier just to write a check, but the effectiveness was, uh, you know, much different sitting down and, and working with individuals.
2: Well, and, and you're using your superpower, like you're learning, you're using your skills that you're good at. That's more valuable than the money. Cause if you help them and get their brain right and build it right, they're going to be much more successful, you know? So you're using your, your, what you're really good at in a, in a positive way, which, which I love. That's great. Thanks. So, so Jay, are you working on anything now? If so, if people want to help you out or contribute, could you tell us more? Um, no. So that's the one thing I need to figure out is what project. As far as the doing good, I am working um, on you know, a, a project with the motley Fool called All-Star Money where like it's another kind of rock star curation site. Um, but it, but it's just given, I mean, I guess it's kind of giving education, right? We share three articles a day on money from our community on um, that we think are good. Um, so that's what all-star money is. But as far as the charity or project, no, I'm kind of like anytime again someone asks me, I, I give to them, so I'm participating, but I haven't spearheaded my own project in a number of years since rockstar finance. Um, And so that's, that's one thing I do struggle with because I'm like how to use the maximum good, like all the connections we have online. Right. And I think I'm like, if I'm going to email Carl and ask him to participate, like it better be damn good. You know, I don't want to, you know, make, you know, do something stupid and, and waste that opportunity to make more impact and, and to, you know, so Um, unfortunately, and, and too, for me, I don't really have, i don't want to see a cause um, because i like people directly but there's no like i haven't been motivated to like i want to help this specific area you know or this you know specific problem um so that's something that i'm struggling with and trying to come up with but um if you do have a project you're doing as a listener especially if there's something you want to do and literally money is the only thing holding you back or if you need some consulting i can help with that too um reach out because i love hearing my favorite is hearing ideas like, Oh, I want, I need 500. So I can go put on this course at the library and help, you know, the local community. I'm like, yes, damn it. Like do that. Like I will give you money to go do that. Like that is like, you know, so, so I'm right now open eyes and trying to find people to help since I don't have a project to myself to to help, you know? And if I can ever help you with any of these adventures, or if you
0: get pinged by someone that needs money, please don't be shy to hit me up as well.
2: Okay. Well I have it in recording now, so yeah, I'll remember that. Yeah. (laughs) And so does the
0: rest of the world, apparently. So we might be asking for some trouble, but uh, we'll see what you you guys blow off. We're in trouble here. (laughs) Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, is there
2: anything else you want to say on this
0: topic? Or
2: oh no, no, just thanks for having me on, you know. And if anyone wants to reach out, you can find me at jmoney.biz, J like the letter money.biz. You can find me on twitter and all that good stuff but um yeah um, i love talking about money and thinking about money and more more i guess i should say lifestyle design stuff like i think that's my one takeaway that if i could share with others is just to think about what you really want in life and what like makes your dream you know like your dream day and kind of work backwards to try and figure out how to get to that and not, don't wait till like X number of years with X number of money, like start implementing the little things daily. So that way it's like enjoyable along the journey and not like, like you Carl, like you read, you wrote something recently, how like you were miserable for a number of years trying to hit that goal, you know, and if you can go back, you would have figured out ways to be less miserable and and not like do that to yourself, you know? So I think that's the same kind of thing that like I've learned over the years as well.
0: Yeah. If you set yourself up, my mindset was always like, ah, I'm going to be so much happier. My life is going to be different when I have a million dollars. And then you get there. Life is pretty much the same, except you have money sitting there. And, uh, it sounds so cliche, but uh, money isn't the root of happiness. It definitely makes life better. I don't want to diminish it. My life I'm thankful for, it, but I don't know. The, the most fun time I've probably had in the past couple of weeks was I went over to a friend's house on Sunday to watch a football game and, we hardly watched a football game because we were just hanging out, cooking and having, having good conversation. And, and that doesn't cost much of anything except buying a six-pack of beer for $9 from the store to bring over. And those hey, are the yeah. happiest points in my life at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good right, life, Alan. man.
1: It was awesome catching up with you. And uh, we'll put links so people can find you. Uh, thanks a lot, Jay.